All right. Well, it's so good to see all of you. It is always an amazing privilege to be able to stand up here and just share what Jesus is doing in me and what I believe he's doing for our church and for the churches in our city and what God's doing on a greater scale. Um, And when we come out of something like that, that experience of the overflow of heaven, we were born for that. I don't know if you can feel it. You can, you know, you, you feel... You feel most like yourself when you're in that. <laughs> it's like we were born for the presence of the Lord. We were born for the overflow of heaven. And I want you to understand something. The overflow of heaven is when there's nothing left of, of what made you who you were in you, and you're just full of Jesus, and suddenly that begins to come out. That's the overflow of heaven. So what that means is that every part of your life, every part of your, your actual vessel, your body, and your, your heart, and your soul, and your mind is overflowing with the goodness and the mercy of heaven. And when that becomes your reality, suddenly you can't help but leak. (laughs) It just comes out in everything that you do. And um, I believe that we're in a strategic time as a church. Um, I really do believe that. I believe that we're being strategically positioned because he's commissioning us as a body, uh, not only in our city, but in the nations. Um, Some exciting news. Zambia has opened up for us. We've got an invitation to go there uh, in October to do revival meetings, a youth conference, a whole lot of stuff happening in Livingston, Zambia, um, which we really, really are excited about. Um, And we've got Botswana, Dave and and Liesl. um, And we're praying and believing to go back into Nepal. And God's just... There's so much. Um, We've got guys sitting in this room that have nations burning on their hearts because we were called for something so much greater than ourselves. We really were. And we've got to be careful that we don't become so nearsighted that we become blind. And then all we do is we see our own situations and circumstances and we live like survivors when we were called to rule and reign like kings. Does that make sense? So I just want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and unpack some stuff today. Um, Yeah, we'll see where it goes. But I believe that that God is changing the way that we do church Um, because it was never about doing church. It was always about being the church. And so I believe that there's been this disconnect for so long where we've had meetings and we've had our lives. And there's been a disconnect between the two. And so we come into meetings and we have these incredible moments, but we don't know how to take that moment and turn it into a lifestyle. And I believe that the transition that's happened now is actually where the Holy Spirit is teaching us how to go beyond the song how to go beyond the moment, beyond the prayer, beyond the, the feelings, and to live in a place of intimacy, a place of overflow with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and what's so exciting about that is it, it doesn't mean, see, what we do is we are so extreme. We say as soon as God says, oh, no, he's getting rid of the, the event Christianity, then we say, oh, well, events should get thrown out. This isn't an extreme either or. This is God actually giving us a mature, balanced picture of what the body is called to be. When we get together on a Sunday morning, it is supposed to be a picture of heaven on earth. If you would understand what you carry, and that's what we're going to talk about today is, is do you realize who you are? But if you would realize who you are and what you carry and who's inside of you, when we get together, it is a picture of heaven on earth. And if you would come to church on a Sunday understanding that, come to the gathering of the believers where all of us get to be in the same room, you'd understand that this is a powerful, amazing gathering that has impact and influence in our city. And you'll start to see the fruit of that when you begin to think that way. But the shift that's happening is when you leave this room, who are you? I want to put a sign up above that door and say you are now entering the mission field as you walk out of that door. You've got to understand that when you go out there, you're called to carry what God's equipping us with, what he's doing here. You're called to carry that out into the world and to shine. It's what you were born for. And what I want to unpack today as well is we've got to be careful that we don't put titles on ourselves that God didn't. See, 
I don't know about you, but when I read this book, there's only one thing that he calls us. First and foremost, sons and daughters. He doesn't, although the, although the heart response of us is to be a servant and to be a soldier and to be all those things, what we are is sons and daughters. And we've got to be careful that we don't put other titles on us that limit us from walking in what God's called us to do. Because what we often do is we say, well, Connor's the evangelist, so it's his job to go and get people saved, and it's our job just to back him. And that's a dangerous lie. We've got to be careful. And what I love is God has, has flipped that thing on its head in this community because now we've got guys going out onto the streets and healing the sick and praying for people. And I mean, that was one testimony. There's about six. <laughs> There's so many things that God's doing. And what I love is that, you know, as an, uh, the evangelist gift is there to equip the saints, but the work of the saints, the work of the, of the ministry is for every believer. So we've got to be careful that we don't put titles on ourselves that stop us from walking in what God's called us to do. Does that make sense? I just felt to smash that. So it doesn't matter what your career is, what you do, what, how you've defined your personality. You've got to understand that you died and that you were actually, it wasn't an upgrade. It wasn't just polished and nice and neat. He made you completely new and then he filled you. There was a divine exchange. He took your old nature and he gave you his. So now it's not about whether I'm introverted, extroverted, whether I'm insecure or not secure. It doesn't matter about all that stuff. It just matters that Jesus is inside of me and he's alive. Oh, this is exciting. I didn't know we were going to go here, so this is cool. Can you turn to 2 Peter chapter 1? I want to share a quick couple of testimonies just to encourage you. Uh, Graham and I, we just went to uh, the Businesses Mission Conference in Durban, uh, spent two days there meeting incredible people, hearing about guys that are doing amazing things, um, and, and it was really beautiful, really amazing time, but I just want to share a couple of testimonies. So on the way there, um, I literally left, by the way, Matt and Zoe, Mr. and Mrs. Piermain. <laughs> I left, I left the, the reception on Sunday night, went straight to the airport, and I was really tired and, and, and really bushed. Anyway, I, we get onto the plane, and I've got this middle seat, worst seat on the plane, middle seat, and I've got this, this young dude next to me and this other, like, other young dude on my left. Uh, he was slightly older, but he was young. And um, anyway, this guy sitting next to me, as soon as I sat down, I just knew. I was like, oh, Lord, you want me to speak to this guy? Like, you want me to reach him? But I, I was really, my humanity showed up, <laughs> and I was really tired, and I was going, oh, you know, this is, anyway, he decided to start talking to me, which is always just a God just going like, you can't get out of this, so I'm just going to keep pushing it, anyway, he introduces himself, I start chatting to him, and he says to me, uh, so what do you do, and I was like, there's, there it is, there's the question, here we go, he's pulled the cord, here it comes, you know, anyway, start telling him that, you know, I work for 24-7 church, and I'm here, and I'm, I'm basically, uh, what do I do for a living, I heal the sick, I raise the dead, I cast out demons, uh, <laughs> you know, anyway, so he, his, his response to me was, wow, that's interesting, <laughs> and um, Anyway, I'm talking to him, and as, as we're talking about this, I realize that he's really closed off. He's like, he's, he's not interested in this stuff. He's really, something's happened, you could tell. And he's got this bad taste in his mouth about church and Christians. And so as I'm talking to him, I'm just going, Lord, give me the key to this guy's heart. Like, what, what do you, how can I reach this guy? And as I said that, God said, left ankle. So I was like, dude, have you got anything going on with your left ankle? He's like, actually, yeah, bro. I'm a surfer, and two weeks ago I twisted my ankle, and I haven't been able to surf, struggling to walk. It's just not getting better. It's really painful, and it's really bothering me. So I was like, dude, well, God just told me that you had a problem with your left ankle. Can we, can we pray for it? So he's like, whatever, you know, really like, he's a surfer dude, so everything's like slow motion, whatever, man, sweet. <laughs> like. Anyway, so 
I pray for the dude's ankle, and the first time I pray, he's like, yeah, I guess it's kind of like a little bit better, but it's still quite sore. So I said, well, let me go again. So he's like, okay, he lets me go again. So I pray for him, and then he, he like leans over, and he feels his ankle, and he's like, oh, dude, all the swelling has actually disappeared. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's, that's really cool. So he feels, he's like, dude, feel. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I like put my hand, and I'm like, yeah, that feels like a normal ankle. So anyway, then he, he decides, well, he's going to get up and go to the bathroom and test this out, you know. So he, he gets up and goes through, and he walks perfectly to the bathroom and back. And when he's walking back, he's just looking at me, and he's like, yeah. Like, this is like really great. So anyway, so he sits down. I just start sharing with him and just saying, man, this is Jesus. Like he loves you. And, and, and it's so simple, man. Like it, it's never been about right and wrong. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. It doesn't matter what you've done at all. It's always been about love because love makes the wrong things right. Anyway, so I'm sharing this with him and he says to me, bro, I've never heard about church or Jesus or Christianity in this way. And I said, bro, that's probably one of the saddest things that I've ever heard. I said, because this is who Jesus is, and this is what you need to understand. Anyway, we walked out, and we were chatting, and he was really touched, and you could see he wasn't quite ready to, like, oh, I want to give my life to this, but something had been sown inside of him where he was going, wow, this, there's something about this. You've given me something to think about. Anyway, so that was awesome. Another quick one, one of the American guys that came out, um, Brian Sr. from Emerge, YWAM Emerge, he had back pain, and he was using cannabis oil to, like, deal with the pain and whatever, and anyway... Uh, after we told him the story, he's like, dude, you got to lay hands on my back, you know? So I was like, cool, man. Well, let's, he says, every day, it's just got worse since he got to South Africa. It's been really sore. So we pray for his back. Uh, and as I was praying for him, this is after one of the sessions, I just put my hands on him and I'm praying and I'm just kind of like praying a simple prayer. I wasn't really feeling much, just like, Lord, heal his back. But I'm watching him and he's going like, oh, he's like doing this like weird. So I was like, okay, well, you know, what are you doing, Lord? Just release it. And then I, I said, okay, amen. And he said, oh man, I could feel something going all the way up and down my back, you know? He says, and there's no pain now. So I said, okay, cool. Well, you know, let's, let's see how it goes. So the next day, we arrived at the conference. I said, how's your back going? He says to me, oh, my back's great. I haven't had any pain. So then he's like, man, I believe in this stuff. Like, I believe in healing. And one of the things that, that he loved is my kind of approach is I don't really care if you believe or not. I do. So I'm going to pray for you. You're right. So he, that, like, hits him. He was like, man, we got to do this. Like, we got to pray for people. And so we ended up having some awesome conversations. And then on the way back... So Graham and I get to the airport, we're leaving, and, and Graham's flight was earlier than mine. Anyway, so we have, we're chatting, and, and Graham leaves, gets on his plane, and my plane is an hour delayed. So I end up kind of sitting there, I'm listening to some worship, and just kind of like, you know, just praying, talking to Jesus. And then I see this old guy um, walking with crutches and like a brace on his ankle and foot or whatever. And... Um, I'm sitting, so I don't know if you've been to King Shaka, but you, there's, a, there's a seating area, then there's like the ramp that goes down to where you get onto the plane. I'm sitting in that ramp, and there's probably about 30 people sitting in that ramp. Anyway, he comes, he, he walks past up the top, and I look at him, and I was like, oh, because my, my approach is if God shows me, it means I've got to do something about it, you know? So if I see him, it means God wants me to pray for him. So anyway, so I see him walk across, and I'm like, oh, man. I just know I've got to pray for him. And I'm just like, again, I'm tired. I'm not really feeling it. And it's amazing, right? We can't be led by our feelings. So he decides to come walking down and sit next to me in the ramp. So I was like, oh, okay, Lord, here we go. So I start talking to him and just explaining again who I am, what I do, what I believe, Jesus. Start talking to him. I said, man, so after telling you all this about Jesus, I believe that, you know, he can heal your foot. So the dude's like, he's an old guy. So he's like, yeah, sure, man, pray for my, pray for my leg. So we pray for it. And he starts to feel, he's like, man, this is, this is really different. This is, I'm feeling like there's a change. I said, well, let's go for 100%. So we're praying, praying, praying. He says, man, this is feeling a whole lot better. And he's like, he like walks in a little bit and he's like, no, this is really great. And I can see there's like people looking at us and whatever. And anyway, we sit down and he says, you need to tell people about this, man. That's what he said to me. 
So suddenly something comes over me and I go, you're right. And I look across and I'm like, there's 30 people sitting here. So now in the past, I've always struggled to do that kind of thing because it's really scary, right? But something just came over me, this boldness, and I just went like, man, should we tell these 30 people what just happened to you? So he's like, he like lights up. He's like, if you tell these people, I will stand up and, and confirm that that's what happened to my leg. <laughs> so I said, okay, sweet. So I stand up and now I'm like, I'm pumped, but I'm shaking and like the sweat's coming on my head and I haven't said anything yet. Anyway, I get up and I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, everybody. Like, can I get your attention? And people are like, what the heck is going on? And they're like, I said, I just need to tell you something amazing has just happened. I said, I don't know what you know about Jesus. I don't know if you know him or don't know him or what what you've experienced, but I need to tell you how much he loves you, that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. I said, and this guy right here just got healed because Jesus loves him. And I was like, come on, tell them. And he gets up and he's like, it's true, it's true. My leg is fine, you know, it's been healed. And I was expecting like, you know, revival to break out. But actually, everyone's just looking at me, and I can see this uh, Muslim couple sitting there, and they're not happy at all with what I've just said. Anyway, so I'm just like, so love you guys. You know, just wanted to share that, and it was like awkward, and I was like, okay, you know, go down and, and sit down. And I, as I sat down, God said to me, that's changed the game. And he said, because now there's a boldness that's come on you. And, and as I was sitting there, I realized that wasn't hard. I stood up there, and I told 30 people that Jesus loves them, and I sat down, and I was totally okay aside from the sweat and the shakes, but I was like, man, wh- why, why don't we do this stuff? Why do we not step out, you know? Then what, what turns out what happened is I ended up sitting next to the Muslim couple on the plane. <laughs> and uh, the wife, she was in the middle seat. I was by the window and she was sitting like this, like looking away from me. So anyway, so that was funny. But when I got off the plane and I went to go fetch my, my bags, this guy walks up to me and he says, man, I just want to say thank you for, for having the courage to say what you said to us before we left. He said, bro, I've been a Christian for 12 years. I go to Rhema, um, and it just inspired me to see you do that. Like, I just realized, like, we got to tell people about what we believe in. And I was like, man, if it was just for him, if it was just to stir something in him to believe and go, actually, God wants to use us. You know, come on. Anyway, long story short, Jesus is king. Come on. All right. Two Peter, chapter one, verse three. This is a great scripture. I've been stuck here for a while. All right, two Peter, chapter one, verse three. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Jump back to verse three. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Here's what I love about this scripture. I don't know about you, but I didn't have to do anything in those couple verses. He said, I've given you all things, through divine power I've imparted, I've given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's yours. It's a gift. I've given it to you. I've put it inside of you. Bless you. It's yours. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to reach a level of spiritual maturity. You don't have to do anything like that. You just have to receive it and say, thank you, Lord, it's mine. Then listen to the next verse. So his, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We're talking about the overflow today. <laughs> Something came on me when I sat in that airport. It wasn't my own confidence, it wasn't my own boldness that got me to stand up and say that. Something came over me. Why? Because I'm learning to live in relationship with him. I know him. And so as I'm in this place of knowing him, he has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that I need to do what he's called me to do, he's placed within me. Now, this is super exciting, but it's also challenging because it means there is no excuse not to do it. <laughs> You're stuck. You can't escape. He has given everything that you need to do what God's called you to do. In uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For you have not received, or he has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, of mighty power, and of a strong mind. We quickly jump to he's given us love and power and a strong mind. No, he's given us a spirit of love, power, and a strong mind. It's the Holy Spirit in us that manifests love, power, and a strong mind. What I'm trying to get across today, and it's such a simple message, but it'll change your life. If you live in relationship with the Holy Spirit, the manifestation and expression of Him in your life is love, power, and a strong mind. You're going, man, I don't know how to renew my mind. I'm struggling with my thoughts, or I'm battling depression, anxiety, all this different stuff. It's just a wrong perspective because you haven't brought your mind into submission to the Holy Spirit. It's not about trying to fix your thoughts. It's not about trying to fix your thinking patterns because psychology wants to play around in this area. This thing's dead, man. Psychology wants to play with the fallen nature of man. But actually, Holy Spirit is saying, I, I have given you the mind of Christ. What does that mean? It means that when I'm surrendered to the Holy Spirit, he gives me the mind of Christ. That's what a strong mind is. So I want to walk in love, I want to walk in power, and I want to have a strong mind so that I can do what God's called me to do. Guess where I find it? In the Holy Spirit. So what, I, what gets me excited about this is that it doesn't matter what you think you are. God doesn't relate to you according to that. He relates to you according to what he designed you to be. Sanctification. Do you know what sanctification really is? Sanctification means for something to operate according to its original purpose and design. So in other words, an example in a sentence, the pen is sanctified when writing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you were created for something. There was a purpose that was put inside of you before you even opened your eyes. God knew what you were designed for. He knew what you were created for. And we were hit with a bus and had amnesia and forgot it for a long time. <laughs> and now God's awakening us to that truth again. And he's saying you were created. Your purpose, the meaning of life, your reason for existence is to have intimate relationship with me and to make me known. Full stop, end of the story. There is nothing else to add to that. Now, that's the purpose, the plan. That's where it looks different. Because God says, I've called Damien to be a guitarist. And he's a great guitarist. And he's going he's gonna to teach people how to play guitar. That's the plan, the sphere of influence that I've given him to reach people that I trust him to reach. Do you understand what I'm saying? The purpose doesn't change. His purpose is not to teach people guitar. 
His purpose is to have intimate relationship with Jesus and to make him known. Because what happens if tomorrow God wakes him up and says, okay, leave that. I want you to go and be a CEO of a massive business company. Oh, but I can't do that because my purpose is to teach people guitar. (laughs) If you understand what you were created for and you realize who you are, You cannot be shaken, you cannot be moved because you're found in the Holy Spirit and it doesn't matter where you are or where he takes you, you're there to shine. See, what we've got to understand is, and and I'm honest with you guys, I think a lot of pastors, famous guys all around the world have missed a simple truth here. I was listening to something very sad, I won't say the names of who they are, but talking about getting their private jets and their reason for why they want their private jets is because they don't want to be on a tube of demons when they're trying to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and prepare for their next trip, right? It's a statement that was made by very well-known pastors who are going after these things. Now, I don't want to say anything about them because I can't touch their, I can't even tie their shoelaces. They're doing amazing things for the Lord. But here's the simple revelation that they've missed. If I know who I am in Him and I know why I was born, if I know that I was created for oneness with the Holy Spirit, I can never be separated from Him. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting on an on a, uh, SAA flight back with the chickens uh, in the economy class. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter if I'm in a boardroom meeting or if I'm at church. It doesn't matter because I'm one with him and I have full access to the throne room of heaven 24-7, 365. So here's what I want you to understand. We've been talking as a church about eternal values, eternal convictions, about things that define us, about the riverbanks of our church that actually when we build them strong as a community, we create a space for the Holy Spirit to flow continually. We don't want to dam it. We don't want to create a marsh, you know, swamp thing. We want to create a powerful river that can continue to flow and reach nations. That's what, we, that's what we're building right now. In case you didn't know, that's what we're building. What's important to understand, here's a, an eternal value and, and an eternal conviction that I'm giving you today. Your life is not your own. If you could just take that this morning and just let that, your life is not your own. You were not created for yourself. You were created for him. The moment that you live for yourself, you destroy yourself. That's why we see what we see out there. We've got to be so careful that we don't get stuck in systems that we know are going to fall and get limited and restricted and hindered by something that Jesus said we weren't called to live in. And so we find ourselves giving all our attention and our time and our energy and our resources to a system that is guaranteed to fail, that has zero eternal reward. And sometimes we just need to allow the Holy Spirit to make us aware again that one day we will stand before Jesus. And it's not a burden, it's a privilege. I will stand before Jesus one day and I will have the opportunity to tell him that I burned for him on the earth and that we accomplished together everything that he created me to do. I don't think, and this is something that I'm holding on to every day, but I don't think majority of Christians are in a place to even say that. See, there's a disconnect because there's guys that are hearing truth and they get excited about it and they feel a moment of inspiration and passion and maybe this morning you feel, oh, I'm stirred and I'm encouraged. But who are you tomorrow morning? When you wake up and you know that you've got that list of things to do and you've got to head into that office and you know that it's war in there, man. See, we've got to understand who we are. I am a son of God. There is nothing that you can do to take that away from me. There is nothing that you can say to take away the acceptance that I found in him. 
That strength is what enables me to go into an environment like that on a Monday morning and release Jesus. You can spit on me and slap me and swear at me and say whatever you want to say, but you push the button, guess what's going to come out? Jesus. Because I've realized that if I'm going there on the Monday morning, I'm not there to tick the boxes and pay the bills and make money. I'm there to reach people that God has entrusted to me. Do you understand that? Do you understand that God trusts you with people to reach? He trusts you. And I remember going, Lord, how can you trust me? And he says, because I trust myself. And I've put my Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you would yield and surrender and stay in what you were created for your purpose, to know me, the overflow of knowing me is to make me known. We've got to be careful that we don't dive into the fruit when we've missed the root system that he's building in our lives. I remember when I first prayed for someone and they got healed, it was like, I just wanted to pray for everything that moved. It was like, if you were in the room, I'm gonna pray for you. If you we just, I remember taking our youth guys out on a Friday night to Northgate and they're all like standing there in the middle of Northgate, like what is going on? And I'm running around praying for people and telling them about Jesus and our youth guys are like, what is happening, you know? Because I'm jumping to, to the fruit when I haven't actually understood the root. The root is that Jesus wants to know me intimately and I'm called to know him. And when I behold him and I see him for who he is and I have a relationship with him, I'm transformed and I become like him. Then when I do go and make him known, it's not through my own gifting and my own uh, personality and my style and whatever, it's Jesus. See, it's, it's never been about introverts and extroverts. It's always been about love. And so there's a way that God expresses himself through me, and it might look different than you, but it still means go. See, you don't have to go and reach people the way that I reach people, but you do have to go. Does that make sense? See, Jesus said all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and then he also says that we've been made one with him. So what is he saying? He's saying, I'm inside of you. And I've got all authority, not just on earth, on heaven, in heaven and on earth, and we've become one, which means you're walking in the same authority because you're a co-heir with Christ. So he's saying, because of all the authority in heaven and earth that's been placed inside of you, go. And he's saying, the beauty, the beauty of the body, which is why the church is the vehicle for revival, the beauty of that is that you will express God in a way that I don't. And that's what's so exciting, is when we come together, we see a, a bigger, bigger picture of the nature of God expressed on the earth, which is why it cannot just be a Sunday morning experience. In Acts, they were in each other's homes every day. There's something beautiful about that because we create a culture. It's called a kingdom culture. It's the culture of heaven on the earth. We, it's who we are. It's not something we do. It's who we are. It doesn't matter where we are. If we have to meet at home in a coffee shop or whether we're all gathered in the same room, it doesn't matter where we are. It's the culture of heaven on the earth. If you meet me, guess what you're gonna get? Jesus. And there's a change in your approach when you understand that because then suddenly you find, I don't don't really have to go out and hunt people. I'm faced with people every day. I go to the shops and I have to buy my groceries and suddenly I'm face to face with the cashier. Now, if I have the lenses of heaven and I'm seeing her the way that the father sees her, he's got something to say. And it doesn't matter if I stutter through it or if I'm nervous and shaking or whatever. The, the fact that I'm saying something wrecks people, man. Our, our, our home group has been doing this and we've had so many, just something so simple. Here's a tool when you go and speak to people on the streets. Start off with this. Hey man, I just wanna tell you, you are so amazing. 
Watch their whole face just like, what? Wow, thank you, man. They said, can I tell you why you're amazing? Man, Jesus loves you so much. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. You're incredible, man. I want you to know that today. God loves you. Wow, suddenly it's like, and you don't, you have no idea what you're doing there. See, you don't get to choose what happens. You just have to go. See, Holy Spirit is the only person that can change someone's mind and their heart. He didn't ask you to do that. He asked you to go. He asked you to just become the meeting point between lost son and loving father. So he's saying, if you'll be my hands and feet, you just go. I remember something changed in my uh, walk with the Lord when he, it was actually with our home group and I, I felt like God wanted to do something with them and I didn't know what to say and God said, open your mouth and I'll fill it. And I stepped out and I said, the, I think it was Eleanor, I said Eleanor's name and I said, okay, Lord, Eleanor, I just want to tell you and I stopped and pff, suddenly it just came flooding. And God gave this incredible prophetic word and I realized, God, all he's asking us to do is to go, open your mouth, go, introduce yourself. Before you even have a chance to think about it, say, hi, my name is Connor. I just want to tell you that you're so amazing. Now you're there. Now watch what the Holy Spirit starts to do. Because it's always been about him. He has given you everything that you need to do this. Here's what I want you to understand. And this is, I know over the next couple of weeks, this is kind of what we'll be speaking about. And this will come through in everything that we say. We really believe that we, we, part of our culture is a culture of evangelism, a culture of preaching the gospel, a culture, a culture of going and reaching the lost. In everything that we do, every sphere of influence that, you, that you're involved in, you're there to, to do something because you were born for the commission. You were born to know God and to make him known. And it doesn't matter what else you do. It really doesn't. It really doesn't matter. The other stuff doesn't matter. Be careful. Be careful with the titles and the things that we put on ourselves. I'm just reminded of that, of that again. And I'm going to say this because I know Graham knows my heart. You are not a businessman. You're a son of God. You're a son of God that has been placed in a sphere called business. And it, right now, in this age, it is the greatest sphere of influence in the world. And that's why we need business, men and women, who understand that I am not a businessman. I am a son of God, placed in a sphere of business, entrusted with people to reach in that sphere. I have been trusted by God that if finances are gonna flow into my life, they're gonna flow into my life and out of my life to advance the kingdom. Because I'm not living for something that doesn't count for eternity. I'm living for Him. It's so important to understand this. We've got to be careful because that's what we do is we go, I'm a, my purpose is I'm a businessman. I'm a maverick in the business world. I'm going to do this and this and this or whatever. And then God says, the next day he wakes up and says, I want you to sell everything and move to the huts of Thailand and be a missionary. Oh, I can't do that because that doesn't make, that can't be God. That's not God's voice. I'm a businessman. My purpose in life is to, to change the business sphere. No, your purpose in life is to be a son and to make him known wherever he puts you. And if we will stop for the one, he will teach us to stop for the one. If we will stop and make sure that our lives are centered around intimacy and relationship with the Lord, the overflow of that is that if you step in front of me and we make eye contact, you know what you're going to get. Jesus, because I am overflowing with who he is inside of me. How good is this, man? This is the gospel. See, the culture of 24-7, simply put, is revival. Revival is a word, in this age right now, what we do 
and I've heard this at conferences and stuff before, people will say, we can't use the word Christian and we can't use the word church because it's just been so badly misrepresented. So we need to take that out and we need to call it something else. No, that's rubbish. We need to redeem what it was always created to be. Just because the church has been misrepresented doesn't change what God designed the church to be. We need to go back to what he called us to be and actually do the stuff and be who he's called us to be and see the fruit happen so that people can go, that looks different to what I know church to be. Like you're sitting on a plane and the young guy says, I haven't heard about Jesus in this way. I haven't heard about church in this way. I haven't heard about Christianity this way. My response is, well, you need to. Now that you have, you're accountable to this, man. You got, this thing has got to do something inside of you now. So we've got to redeem the words, man, we've got to, we can't just throw it out because somebody misrepresented it. So revival, revival is simply something that is dead coming to life, newness of life. The, the riverbanks of this church, we value the presence of the Lord above everything else. I want to honor this house for the way that we linger. I want to honor you, even when we had Rob here and Shem here to rush off, but I loved that our guys were just sitting there just lingering, going, oh my word, we don't want to leave. Like This is just, can you feel the sweet tenderness of his presence? And I, I don't know about you, but we could worship all day here. <laughs> when we get into that space, sometimes it's hard as leaders, you go, well, I don't know, how, how, do, we, how do we end this? Like we just, you could just stay here, just because we value his presence above everything else. And what's important to understand is that we get to come together and experience that in a corporate environment. But you're supposed to live in this every day. You don't need a band to take you to that place. So transformation and the presence of the Lord, revival, newness of life, seeing people come from complete darkness and being transformed and brought into newness of life where they are completely changed and found in Jesus and suddenly they begin to live according to their original value and created purpose. That's what we're about. It's simple. And what I love about this is that you're the ones that God is going to use to do that. We are not a church where we sit back and watch a few people put on a show to feel good about ourselves and to say, I'm a part of a church that does these things. No, you are the church that does those things. There is a difference. You know, the reason why God's placed us in Johannesburg, because you go, there's so many churches, Lord, why are we here? No, we're here for this very reason because we want to fill a room with a whole bunch of people that are radically transformed, that are full of the fire of the Holy Spirit and the breath of God and that are transforming the world around them. Amen. See, it doesn't, we could do it with the amount of people in this room right now. We can flip this city upside down with this number of people. We can. I don't need you to believe it. I do. And I know that I'm right. And I promise you now, if you'll take a hold of that truth and let it shape you and mold you and let it be the perspective and the lens that you view your life through, watch what God's gonna do. Is this okay? So you need to understand, who are you? You are a son and a daughter of God. You need to understand that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you wake up and it's not Manic Monday, it's Mission Monday. I love that. It's Mission Monday. It's Mission Monday because I've, I've woken up today. Guess why? Mercy woke me up on Monday morning because the moment I open my bedroom door and I step out of there, all of heaven's coming with me. And it doesn't matter what the world wants to bring at me, you should have brought more. Because the fire of God, come on, 
This isn't a battle between the devil and God. He lost. God's saying, will you take my victory that I paid for and will you facilitate it and advance it throughout the earth? Will you take the victory of heaven and everywhere that you go, you take it with you? So I had this vision, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, where I saw a whole bunch of people in that cloud of fire and glory. And they were beholding Jesus. And as they were beholding Jesus in his glory, the fire of his presence was transforming them. And they began to look different. And then he said, now I'm commissioning you and I'm sending you. And my first response was, I don't wanna go. I don't wanna leave this fire and glory. He said, what do you mean leave? He said, you expand. And as, we, as every step that we took, we took the fire and the glory of heaven with us. Because what he's saying is, it's heaven on earth. We behold Jesus, we encounter him, we are filled with the fire and the glory of heaven. And every step that we take, we are taking him with us. You cannot be shaken when you're in that place because it's not about anything other than him. Even people that are facing tragedy in their lives right now where loved ones have passed away and all that kind of stuff. It's different when you're in that place. Yes, it's sore, but they were never mine to begin with. They were always his. And I had the privilege of journeying with them. It's a different perspective, can you see? That's how you can celebrate rather than just stay in a place of depression when you lose someone. You can celebrate because I know that this is not my home. I know that I'm gonna see them again. I know what I'm living for. Smith Wigglesworth, one of my favorite people, when his wife passed away, he raised her from the dead and she told him to leave her alone and she, went, she died again. <laughs> and... He raised her from the dead and she got up, she said, Smith, please don't raise me from the dead. I'm happy where I am, leave me. She fell over again. What's incredible is that from the day that his wife died until the day that he died, I think it was 15, 14, 15 years, were the most incredible years of ministry in his life because all he did was he said, I've only got one reason for living. That's to tell as many people as I can about Jesus because actually what I really wanna do is go be with my Lord and with my wife. So I'm gonna tell as many people as I can and he lived all out, 110% out for the gospel incredible, most of the stuff that he saw in his life that was phenomenal, amazing, was in that period of time. And I'm saying we don't have to wait for something like that to happen. We should live like that every day. We should wake up and say, I only have one reason for living. If I woke up today, if I'm not in heaven, if I'm still here on the earth, it's because I'm here to know him, to have a relationship with him, and to make him known on the earth. So simple, man. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Because what's so beautiful is in that place of knowing him when he's transforming me and making me like him. I don't have to try to change. He changes me. I don't have to fix things about me. He redeems the things about me. I'll end with this because I feel like someone needs to hear this. Addiction. Why do we try to beat addiction? By trying to fix the routines of your life instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to redeem your desires. Addiction is the corruption of desire. See, you, the reason why you were created with the ability to desire is because you were created for Him. This is, I'm gonna unpack this in, in a book or something, but because this is, this is powerful. Understand this. The fact that you were created with the ability to desire is because you were created first and foremost for him. You were created with the ability to desire and long for him. Addiction, in whatever form it is, whether you can even be addicted to the approval of man, addiction in any form, right, is the corruption of desire that wasn't created for those things. So why is it that we try to beat addiction by trying to fix the routines of your life 
rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to redeem your desires back to what they were originally created for. That's for Him. Can you imagine rehab centers based on that understanding? It wouldn't be about every time you do something wrong, hey, 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 get your act together, get your act together, stop doing that, stop doing that. You wonder why these guys struggle to get free. Because all we're trying to do is fix the things around them, but the root is still corrupt. We've got to go there and say, and this this has come from experience. This is what Jesus did in my life. I tried so hard to get free from something and couldn't get free until I realized that actually Jesus is saying, you're still holding on to something that isn't who you are. Let me redeem those desires and show you who you really are and let that thing be formed inside of you and suddenly you realize that that desire, the intensity of the desire that I'm feeling was actually for him. So now when the lie comes and says, oh, you need this and this and this, I go, oh, I recognize that. You're trying to take a desire that was made for my dad and you're trying to get me to put it into something that's not him. So guess what? The more that you push me, devil, guess where I'm gonna run? To Jesus James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How do we resist the devil? This isn't a fight against the devil. He's a wimp. I submit to God, and in my submission to to God, every time he comes at me, I submit to God. Every time he comes again, I submit to God. And then he starts to realize that the more that he pushes me, the more I push into Jesus. And so the more that he starts to push my buttons, the more he's getting Jesus all over him, and it's really hard. See, because you wake up every day to give hell a bad day. That's what you were born for. You were born to stand on his head, but we're too busy allowing him to manipulate our desires. And now you've been given truth that can set you free if you'll hold on to this. If you hold on to that, if, if that, and I, that was, I didn't plan on saying this, this is the Holy Spirit. If you will hold on to that truth that I've just shared with you today, it will set you free because the truth will set you free. We've taken that scripture and you can't tell lies because if you tell the truth, it'll set you free. It has nothing to do about lying. The truth is Jesus. The truth will set you free. Revelation of him, understanding who he is and what he's done for you, that sets you free to walk in what he's called you to walk in. Come on. That's the gospel. Last thing, and then we're gonna pray. I believe that in this next season, as God's redefining and reshaping and redeeming the church and he's doing all this incredible stuff, he's coming back for a radiant bride. You've got to understand that this bride, he loves his bride so much. He loves you so much, man. He's coming back for a transformed bride. But there's something that he's doing in this season that I'm so excited about, and that's for, for too long, we've made the kingdom of God about impressive and eloquent words. When he says the kingdom of God is not about impressive words, it's about power. And power is coming back into the church. I'll give you a good example. I'll just use it from the conference. There was a lady at the Businesses Mission Conference whose husband, she, uh, he was suffering of Alzheimer's, yeah, eight years or something, and paranoia and all. I mean, it's horrific. You can see in her face, she's tired. And we sit there in this group and she shares the story with us and everyone's telling her about how she needs to take this cannabis stuff and use this cannabis and this is gonna help her. And I'm like, what the heck? So I get a chance to stand up and I grab my lanyard and I'm like, we're gonna pray over this lanyard. You take this lanyard, you put it on your husband. He's gonna be healed in Jesus' name. And I don't know if he, if he was or wasn't, but I'm not going to bow to something that's, because of my experience, I'm gonna bow to something less and, and not hold on to the truth and the power of heaven. No, I'm gonna go after that because I'm a son. See, Whether he got healed or not, it doesn't change the fact that I was obedient. I was a good son. (laughs) 
I was a good son. I was obedient. I said, Lord, you said heal the sick. Here's my lanyard. Heal the sick. I am obedient. It's not my job to heal him. It's my job to go. And so now we're going to see the power of God infiltrate the church again through every single individual life and together corporately when we decide to actually surrender and go, when we allow the Holy Spirit to redeem our desires and realize that there is not a desire in me for all this worldly stuff anymore. I couldn't care less. I am so hungry for him because I was born for this. And when I stand before Jesus, it doesn't matter what I did with my money and what, how many things I, I owned and built. And it doesn't even matter about how many poor people I fed. What matters is that I know that he loved me. And what did I do with that love? Did people come to know their father? Because I can give you a meal and that's beautiful. But if you don't know him, it counts for nothing. And that's why Jesus said, yes, the natural expression of the believer is to feed the poor. Because we are filled with the love of God. We care for people, right? But he also said that the poor will always be among you. So my job is not to eradicate poverty. My job is to bring heaven to earth. That's just an example. I didn't prepare any of this, by the way. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, you guys are going, wow. In my spirit, I'm going, wow, Lord. This is so cool. <laughs> so I, I don't know about you, but I'd like to go after some things today. Like, you know, I don't know what they are, but let's go after them. And, and let's go back into that place of, of overflow because what is the time? Do we have the time? Um, you know what? You do have time, so... If you go to, if you go to, if you need to, if you need to head off after this, you please relax. You can do that. But we never close services. Why? Because we love the presence of Jesus. So, what I'd like to do is, um, we can go back into. Someone want to jump on the keys or something? Um, we can go back into a time of of just worship and that. And I just want to encourage you to just position your life there. I, I feel like we're in a, a season where we're being strategically positioned and commissioned. So there's, a, there's an invitation for you today to position your life in this place of overflow with the Lord, in this place of intimacy with Him where you understand your purpose and your meaning for life. You understand why you exist. And I want to encourage you, please, let's not be a people that are sermon-proof, where we are so good at hearing good, good sermons that give us goosebumps and then it goes back the back of our minds and we get up and we go back to the way things are. Let's take this, whatever it is that you took from today, even if it's just one line, take that thing and sit on it. Chew it and feast on it. That's what's going to transform you. And I want to encourage you, if you can't get into home groups, meet with believers and talk about this stuff and wrestle with it because that's where you grow. And I, this is important, and I was meant to say this earlier. Discipleship is not hard. Do you know that you're discipling people already? Just probably in the wrong things. Do you meet with your friends and talk about how stressed out you are and how hard things are and what's going on? Do you know that you're discipling them and your problems? So people go, oh man, I don't know how to sit and talk to my friend about Jesus. Well, you talk to them about your problems. All you're doing is now you're having the same conversations, but you're, the intention is follow Jesus. So simple, man. And if we, if we will go and make disciples, we're gonna see this thing happen. It's gonna shift, it's gonna change. God loves you so much. I need you to understand that today. God loves you so much. And it's his love that transforms. It's his love that makes us come alive. It's his love that changes the world. Repentance doesn't even come until you've experienced the love of God. It's his love that leads us to repentance. He's so good.
He's so good. I don't even want you to stand yet. Just don't move. I can just feel the presence of the Lord.